Marcast is made possible by Hayes Marketing and Digital, the recruiting experts in marketing and digital roles across Australia for a wide range of industries and job functions. Welcome to Marcast, the marketing magazine podcast series. Today is part two of our chat with Fabian Moroni. CMO at Monash University, recently named the Australian Marketing Institute's CMO of the Year for 2019 at the AMI Awards this October. And what about yourself as a marketer? Give us a bit of your career background. But my career, I, I like to say, you know, I, I'm not your typical marketer, but I, I don't know if anyone's a typical marketer anymore by the traditional definition, but I started off as a graduate consultant in marketing and communications for a what was then a small consulting company, which was on the transition from consulting into developing software to deliver its consulting services. And it was a real privilege to work in that small company environment. There were around 10 to 20 people in my first year there. So whilst I was developing marketing and communications and working on websites at that point and trying to understand CRMs at that point because it was very beginning and understanding social. I was also doing a little bit of consulting, uh, doing a little bit of software development for sales presentations and developing sales collateral. So I got a really good ground in more company business management and I was really privileged straight out of uni to get that opportunity. And I've maintained connection with that company throughout as it's grown from 10 people to, to a couple of hundred and it's in countries all around the world now. And I was able to be on that journey when it was a consulting company to a technology company, which helped me transition as a marketer into understanding both traditional marketing and events and that type of marketing into more digital. So I got a really good grounding and, and basis and, and that role took me to the UK and it also allowed me to uh, manage teams from a global marketing perspective from the UK into Australia, into Canada, into Sri Lanka. So, you know, the first seven years of my career, I really got to understand global marketing, new market entry, marketing connected to sales um, and really grassroots marketing, the events and all the other pieces. So I had that really, really good foundation. But also I, I kind of on that journey got almost a bit distracted into the sales area of uh, business and, and then made a decision that I should probably veer back and, and go back to my passion, which was marketing. So I, I chose to work for an organisation called the ADECO Group in the UK and Ireland and, and looked after their IT and engineering brands. And I actually took you know a couple of career steps back to do so because through the interview process, I, I found my mentor and I'd been searching for a mentor in marketing, branding, PR. So I, I didn't really have the the depth in the PR and branding at that stage in my career. I was more operational. So I, I went to work in for the ADECA group for their IT and engineering brands and I got to do a number of rebrands and PR strategies and media strategies and then work under a mentor. And then within a year, and I'd, done, I'd been quite successful in doing that, that I got promoted into a, um, a head of marketing services, which was running the digital, the events, the project management side of things the delivery units, the design and all of those other components. So I got to work on both sides at the ADECA group, which was which was really awesome. And it was really there that inspired my interest in the education industry. So um, the ADECA group had worked on a program as part of the, the Olympics in London, which was about unlocking Britain's potential 
which was about ensuring that graduates that came out of university had the right soft skills to enter the workforce and how and they needed to be trained. So it was a groundswell of universities, government and a deco kind of bringing all these people together. And that sparked my interest in education. So when we decided to move back to Australia, I looked for a role in education and ended up working with Hobson's, which was working with a number of Australian universities and, and high schools to look at access to education, international education um, and, and the technology side, CRM. So I looked after their marketing and business development in Australia and then that took me to the US where I was privileged enough to do some new market entry again but in the US market in supporting universities over there and understanding data, driving international student recruitment and marketing trends and, and how they needed to adapt to that. Um, and that just so happened to be the time that Trump got in. So then I um, decided that the best move was to make a, a, a return back to Australia. Sure, and sure. At that role, um, Monash University, the opportunity came up and I always said that there was, you know, one or two universities in Australia that I would I would work for and Monash came up and that was what really drove me home. I suppose starting with your early career, that almost more in the, the business and management and a little bit of sales side of things. A previous podcast episode I've done in here and also a few lectures and events and seminars I've been getting on to lately. A lot of the talk now is that marketers need to be able to speak the language of business and that's kind of what's going to be the the next step to job security and budget security and uh, resource security for marketing leaders is sort of taking marketing and showcasing that value and speaking the language of business leaders. Does that early experience, does that resonate with you based on your early experience? Is that still a lot of skills that you use today? Yeah, absolutely. I think that the business know-how has certainly helped in not just selling in marketing strategies, but in selling in strategic direction. Look, I I think that marketers in some ways have been undervalued because for a long period of time because people have said, oh, well, you're the colouring in department or, you know, you make things look pretty or you're the wordsmith department. That's a view of marketing that I think is in excess of 20 years old. Marketers have been in the boardroom driving strategy because strategy is all about getting your message out to the right audience. I think that's the primary focus of every business. What do you stand for? What is your products or your services that you deliver? And where are the right people to get them in? If you look now at business and what the CMO looks after or, or what marketing's role is, end-to-end, that's almost there. There is a role for marketing in all of that, from development of value proposition to creation of infrastructure in MarTech to understanding data segmentation to managing the marketing and the conversion channels. Marketing has a role across the whole spectrum. So I think that it's been a, a confidence in marketers and also the ability of a lot of strategic marketers globally to say, well, marketing is is more than what things look like and more than what things say. It's about the intention of what the business does and it's about the customer. So I think in the next few years, you will see a move from the CMO title to the CXO, the chief experience officer. What is the experience we want people to have? How do we want them to come in contact with our, our product and how do we get them um, to be part of our community? I think that's certainly part of it and blending of technology and, and marketing and that experience piece, I think you'll see that more commonly happen. And I also think that the data piece um, has been critical in making that shift for marketers. As data has become available, marketers have been able to say, we've been saying this from the beginning, now we have the data to validate it. And 
new channels like social media have allowed us to do that and new ways of, you know, even things like Google Analytics or new tracking systems or CRMs have been able to validate what marketers have been saying for many, many years. And I think that's increasingly why the seat at the table for the marketing team or why marketing communications are brought in is because the data is suggesting that the strategies and the principles of marketing um, have been right. Now it's kind of, we're able to validate that. And we're also able to really quickly change a strategy in marketing now because you can put something out into the market and see very quickly that that's not working and you can pivot really quickly and be really agile. Whereas previously to change a marketing approach when you'd already published something in a magazine, you had to wait for the next month. Now you can push something out on social and change it in you know, the next five minutes. And also the empowerment of the empowerment and agile approach to marketing has really changed things because marketing was always seen as a, a bit of a blocker as well and, and the policing of brand. But I think once you put tools in people's hands and say, here's the brand, here's some of the messaging, here's the v- tone of voice, here's the value proposition, here are some of the templates, and you let people go with it, people want to do a really good job and they just want to get their message out there. So if you empower them to do so, then it becomes the operational, the tactical components of marketing are across the whole employment structure, then marketing focuses more on the strategy, the editorial, the content, the things that are really important in building your value proposition and and really important in conveying your story. So getting into that sort of that data side of things, uh, you as CMO, do you play regularly in that data or is it something that you more sit on top of and have uh, have people reporting to you and sort of making big decisions based on that? What's your relationship to data? We have both. Um, I love data as much as the, the next person. As the CMO, I have a number of dashboards which give me the information I need on an ongoing basis, kind of 24-7, indicators around reputation, so looking at sentiment, indicators around conversion, indicators around activity, indicators around progress against projects um, and, and delivery of work. And then we have a team who sits within marketing infrastructure who are constantly interrogating deeper data in terms of our segments, their experience, what information um, our different audiences are engaging with, what information they're not engaging with, what stages of the their experience are they really converting in or are they moving to the next stage or where are they dropping out along along their journeys and what content resonates with who. Um, and that team will come back and, and highlight that information and will provide analysis and interpretation. But we've really tried... We've done something quite unique at Monash... So we have a number of dashboards, which is on all our marketing communications, and anyone in the Monash community can basically access that and see what activity marketing is doing and what the results of that are. And I think it's really important in trying to show the value of marketing communications that you're fully transparent. This is We've put this post on Facebook. Mm-hmm. This is the number of people that have engaged with it. This has been the reaction to it. And that has really engaged people in the marketing and communications function of the university because we're saying well here's everything that we're doing we're really confident what we're doing is is the right thing and where it's not we kind of see it's not working from the data and we switch it off the idea is we're on a data journey and we're really moving towards the ability to be able to optimize within the second ads not working change copy move and do that through our media buying and 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 the data that we get back from that and optimize our campaigns to always be really, really effective or as effective as they possibly can be and, and kind of pivot and change where we, we need to from that data perspective and also getting the data to be able to say, well, this is 
how much something cost and what's the return on investment for that? And then going that one step further, what is the return on relationship? So if we keep someone in the Monash community, what is the value of the advocacy, not just of the dollar? What is the advocacy of their influence and them and their word of mouth in a modern environment? And that's the type of things that we're tracking now. And we've moved really fast over the last two years to to be really sophisticated in this area and have the type of data at our disposal that more of the FMCG world have, have been able to have. And now we've got that kind of information and data, which makes us, I guess, more powerful in get our, getting our message to the right people. Sure. That is, a, that is a very high level of transparency. And I suppose it's a good example, especially when you can sort of communicate it and present it in a nice visual and easy to understand manner how sort of data and marketing can be fun and can, as you say, really get members of the team from outside of marketing involved in marketing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, it's everyone's interested in marketing and communications and I, I certainly can understand that because it's, it's how people are resonating with our message or our product and service. So everyone has an absolute interest in what the community's feedback is on what the university's doing. And I think keeping information behind a lock and key isn't going to help us improve or get further on our marketing and communications or, or better yet, our storytelling journey if we keep it locked up in the CMO's office. So I think the more transparent, the more empowered people feel and the more people do the right thing. Oh, using our brand results in better engagement on Facebook than when I don't use the brand assets. That's a, that's a perfect example. Uh, back to your career, we sort of went on a bit of a detour there, which is great. Um, but back to your career, uh, so you've had a lot of uh, global experience as well. How is that helping you in your in your current role? I have this quote that I say, and it's, I think that exposure to different cultures, different people, different countries, just makes us better people in, in general because we're able to understand other people's positions or vantage points or viewpoints in life and by experiencing different cultures. And I think my, I've been really lucky and privileged to have the opportunity to travel for work to a lot of great, to a lot of great countries, but also the privilege of working in a lot of different places and, and living in a lot of different places. And I think that's just broadened my perspective. Um, and I think what it does for my marketing ability is enables me to tell stories and think about many different types of people in different types of places and how they engage with content or how they might see or how they might feel when they see one of our communications and, and or how they might interpret it. So it gives me that perspective. So when we're releasing something from Monash, for example, I'll, we'll often say, okay, well, how would that resonate in Asia? Or how would that resonate in the UK considering the political climate? Or how would that resonate in what, what do we need to modify so the message is clearer in that um, country or is more relevant to that audience group? And I think that the beautiful part about the world today is you don't necessarily even have to travel to those countries to get that experience. You can get it online if you listen to the audience enough or if you join enough different channels. But I think it's immersing yourself in other cultures, even locally, and other environments helps you see how things look from different people's perspective and then you can tell the story so it, it hits them in the right way and it, and it stays true to the intention of it. So there's that and also being, you know, having worked in the UK, 
I landed literally, um, I think, a week before the global financial crisis hit and literally the high streets in the UK started, the shops there started to close down. Um, So to work in that environment, to have to sell in that environment taught me some really hard lessons, which were really valuable, but also in having to market, in having to develop propositions where people moved from seeing products and services as something they wanted to something they needed because people were making choices about where they spent their time and where they spent their money. It was really, really an interesting space to be in. And as I said, in the US, when I'd moved there, I'd moved a month before, three months, sorry, before President Trump had gotten in. And and to see the change in what I was talking to universities about them, which was international student recruitment. And then there was the change in, in policy around visas when, when Trump got in. It was, well, it was really that that change, not only in society, but in that um, in that piece that I was really passionate about, which was international education. So I feel really honoured and, and privileged to have been able to work in those different countries and different environments um, because it's it's exposed me to, to different people, to different cultures um, and different ways of telling stories. Um, we'll get into the, the world of education a little bit more. You've obviously got a long history in education marketing and we're sort of in a stage now where a lot of the talk about education or perhaps more specifically skills, there's a lot of focus on hard skills, fast skills. So you have a lot of demand for things like short courses and shorter qualifications. Uh, how do you describe and envision the current world of education, skills and work? I think education is is like a lot of other things. People are going to want to use a lot of different channels and have a lot of convenience in the way they do consume education. So models of education need to adapt to what people need and what people want. There is always going to be large portions of society that are going to want to go through education in a higher education system. And the reason that's really critical and important is because, again, it's blending between research and education. So getting exposure to that academia world for that period of life, which also opens people's eyes to new ways of thinking and approaching situation, is always going to be there and critically important. What we are looking at at the moment is, for those short courses, what are those skills that you can offer in a short course environment and how can you deliver certain components of the learning journey digitally or virtually and how do you build in you know the hard skills but also how do you develop people's soft skills throughout the process of of learning and 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 teaching so i don't think there's going to be one hard and fast model to education in the future i think that as educational organizations We need to be flexible in the way that people consume and engage with our educational content Um, and we need to be able to cater for that very varied group of individuals in those different segments and that's just different ways of delivering educational content. Just like marketing, we're having to learn to deliver marketing content through so many different channels and in so many different mediums and we're doing the same with education. It's the same journey and I think that we're actually ahead of that journey because our a lot of our proposition is about being that modern university. We are a modern university. We are only 60 years old, but we are a top 100 university, which means the blend of education research is a strong part of the proposition. It's why people come to Monash and it's why people want to learn on their life. But executive education, continuous learning is certainly where our focus is and what people want to do in a classroom versus what people want to do from the beach or a park bench. And I think we have to be flexible in the, in the modes of delivery as well. 
And what do you see are the main challenges for you in communicating this position in the world of education? We're doing so many things at Monash because we're such a large university that sometimes distilling that into a synthesised, you know, succinct 30-second clip is impossible. You know, we are helping people develop their entrepreneurial skills. We are delivering global immersion guarantees where they can travel around the world to look at societal problems and come up with uh, solutions for those societies. We are running hackathons. We are doing online exams. We are doing online delivery. We are doing live streaming. We are doing co-op experiences through engineering, clinical placements, virtual reality placements. I mean, there is just every faculty is doing so many brilliant things and the education portfolios are doing so many different things and our e-solutions IT area are coming up with so many new ways for people to engage in contact through technology and infrastructure. How do you put that in a 30-second message? You just you just can't. Um, we tried last week, actually. We've, we've launched that online. So have a, tell, you can watch that after and tell me what you yeah, think. But what we do is we go back to saying, let the community tell their story. Let the researchers, let the... Uh, the academics tell the story of how we're delivering education. Let the faculties tell the story of how they are uniquely providing that proposition and let's just keep the consistency and tie it all in. I think that where we are in our journey is just trying to make sure, though, while we're telling all of these wonderful stories, that we're not all telling those wonderful stories to the same person. That's what we're focused on. So, And we're doing that really well in terms of how we use data and how we communicate uh, the user experience. But as far as the message goes, we need to tell the story in as many different ways on as many different channels to as many different people as possible and I think empowering people with the tools to do so is the new world of marketing and not being scared and that you have to approve every single piece of content because one person can't do that, one team can't do that. You need to have really good community management and community monitoring and engagement but besides that you need to also just empower people and give them the skills and and the technologies and tools and templates to to be able to get on and tell the story. Uh, Marketing skills specifically... Do you have any insights into what budding marketers are wanting to get out of education today and in your own experience, what what skills you're looking for in marketers? Yeah, I think marketing, like many other disciplines, has moved into that area of where you still need really good generalist marketers who can do things from beginning to end, develop value propositions, create campaigns, execute the campaign. So you still need that general marketing um, professional. You also need those specialist marketers, the MarTech people, the marketing analytics people, the user experience people. So marketers kind of need to decide if they're going to still be a, a generalist or if they want to go down that specialization path. I think it's really important. I think for the generalists, you have to know brand and you have to know PR media comms. And um, if you don't know that, I don't think you can be a generalist anymore because the media cycle is, as everyone says, cliche, it's 24-7. Most brands, most organisations are not only delivering their marketing strategies through paid channels, it's also through earned. So you need to understand brand and how that links to media, PR, etc., and internal comms. Generalist marketers must know that and, and their product marketing pieces, obviously. The specialists you need to go really deep in knowledge. I think that if you're going to be in MarTech, you need to be able to code, you need to be able to understand data, you really need to be able to understand user experience and you really need to understand the digital application. And then in the other, in every area across both spectrums of specialisation versus generalist, 
data, digital, and differentiation for me are the three key things. You've got to understand how to make a brand different. You've got to understand the data that should inform your decision-making because marketing is as much of a science as anything these days. And you have to understand that digital application really does have to come first because it's too expensive for it not to come first. You can't have a whole campaign in traditional media because it just costs too much and you don't get the eyes on it that you would with digital. So those are the areas that, that marketers should focus on. Marketers are... we. It's sometimes difficult for us to understand what type of marketer you want to be because there is marketing almost in everything. So, you know, marketing in technology, marketing in data, you know, marketing in strategy. So spending as much time as you can, and this is what I, the value I found in my career, I spent so much time in so many different areas that I got a really good understanding of all of the areas and where I wanted to spend my time and where I thought I was most valuable and therefore where I, where I had my strengths and where my strengths aren't, I have teams around me that can, you know, support in, in delivering those strengths because, you know, all the successes that we've had at, from Monash or at Adeco or, or in previous roles at CAMS and Hobson's is, is more about the people around you because they're doing the delivery. They're the ones that are actually doing the work. The vision might come from the CMO or the strategy, but the ideas come from everywhere. So you need to surround yourself with people that have the strengths and the skills that you, you don't have inevitably. Sure, and I think... It's also hard to choose if and where you might specialise because there's marketing in everything, but also no two marketing roles are the same. You, you can have the same position or specialisation, but if you're at a different brand, a different product, different category, it's just going to be worlds apart. So it is, I think, that that basis in knowledge and probably a, a good sort of tech backing for that, super important. Yeah, and it's always been traditionally quite difficult for marketers to move from one category or one industry to another because it's been seen that well you need to have the specific experience in that market to be able to do that that role i think that's certainly fading away but every marketer needs to know digital and needs to know data i don't think that there are going to be many roles in the future that do not heavily rely on that and but the one thing that marketers always need to be across is, you know, if you understand brand, development of brand, protection, integrity of brand, and how to convey that message, that's also going to be really critically important because, you know, things will be automated and personalised in the future in, in some ways, but what message and what a brand stands for and how you communicate that can't be automated. That's a good time for us to get into automation, playing a big part of your work at Monash. Yeah, it's, it's probably the, one of the largest projects um, within my area around automation and personalization. And it's using tools like email marketing and automation linked to CRM and personalization of, of website to really provide a unique experience for everyone that we want to engage with or are engaging with in the Monash community. And I guess it's more on that, that journey or that nirvana of everyone having a personal relationship with the brand and a personal position within the Monash community or, or they fill their role within the Monash community, it's a complete move away from any type of mass marketing. So the idea is that someone will see our content, engage with that content in any way, and whether it's a video, podcast, feel empowered by that piece of content or motivated or aligned to the value proposition, will connect with us. And then from that connection point, we start to understand more and more about them through their actions or through their behaviours or through what they tell us. 
and then we start to shape their experience around what they're interested in and where they are on their journey. So when they come to their website, if you're an alumni, your view will be completely different than if you're a future student. If you're an alumni that currently works at Monash, your view will be completely different than an alumni that works in the media industry or an alumni that works you know, in FMCG or another industry. And I think the importance of that is brands and marketing these days is about creating connections with people and it's increasingly getting more noisy. So the better that you can show that you understand someone and understand what's important to them and can provide them with that content, the better engaged they are likely to be and the more they'll want to converse with you and have a relationship with your organisation or with people within your organisation. So that's the motivation behind our project and it's all about building a bigger community so we can have bigger influence on positive change globally. So a lot of thought uh, going into the infrastructure that we need to build in terms of marketing technology, the way that we use data, but also having enough content within our stack to meet everyone's growing demands about what they're interested in in a range of topics. And then also getting our meeting, you know, our business requirements along the way. Putting education aside for a second, but in terms of your own skills and competencies and sort of uh, and keeping up with the world of marketing and tech, what do you do to stay up to date? Do you do short courses yourself? Do you read trade press? Do you go to events? What's your sort of approach to keeping on top of things? I do a little bit of everything, but not a lot of one thing. I have a team that go out and do a lot of the events and, and industry pieces and, and bits, and they actually bring that back to the entire team. So we learned through that. So I learn a lot through my team. I do networking with a CMO community, both locally and internationally, which we share stories and, and, and share approaches to things. So that's a, a lot of other learning there. I do a lot of networking outside of the CMO circle in terms of broader general business, a lot of the trade press, but also a lot of learning from the agencies that we partner with. That's where you can get a lot of what's happening more in the broader marketing world. And then I run a piece called Empower every quarter where I bring in organisations. So I've brought in Uber Eats and Jetstar and different creatives to come and present to the Monash community and and upskill us in those areas as well. Um, And then I've done some short and long courses as well in terms of both my discipline area but also my general interest area as well to keep up to date. So I do a bit of everything. I do a lot of learning on Twitter too. I mean, you'd be amazed how much you can learn from Twitter in half an hour. Not always good stuff. No, but, um, exactly. Yeah, but you can, can be you, a bit depressing. You <laughs> can learn LinkedIn, Twitter, all of those things. It um, depends how we consume content. We'll pivot for a moment. I want to speak to you about the CMO role, uh, being a CMO yourself. A lot of the coverage and news around CMO roles and tenures these days is a little bit, or can, can be a little bit alarming. Uh, CMO tenures are notoriously short. There's a recent trend of big brands dropping or dividing the role itself. Uh, how do you view the CMO role currently and where it fits in with businesses? I think there's there's not a lot of consistency to the CMO role across organisations. So that makes it hard to, uh, to compare the role a CMO plays in an organisation. I think that to be a successful CMO, and I say this often, is you really now in today's environment, and particularly online, need to either have oversight of the comms and the marketing or you need to be heavily integrated because all the channels are blurred. You can't say something on a comms channel that isn't going to end up hitting your audiences who you want to have a marketing conversation with for conversion. So I think 
for those CMOs who are not currently in that space, I think it's a it's an increased challenge to them because the channels are so blurred. But that also is a a huge function to look after when you've got marketing and, and communications because you could have an issue represent itself and it takes your focus from the marketing, the KPIs to, to managing, you know, that situation. So that that is complex, but I think it's necessary for the modern CMO to look at those two functions because of the blurring of comms and marketing channels. I think more you're going to see more and more CMOs, and I think the reason that you are seeing CMOs' tenures decrease is because the strategic value of CMOs is being realised and those CMOs are moving into CEOs, are moving into CXOs, are starting to take more of the technology reins, are starting to take more of the strategy reins because I think the role that marketing is playing because the consumer really has all of the power um, in an online environment. So I I actually think it might be a positive trend, um, whereas in the past it was uh, everyone thinks they're a marketer, so the CMO gets tired after two years of being told how to market constantly and that they move on. Um, I don't think that's the case at the moment. I talk about the CXO role and the chief experience officer and because there are so many different audiences for organisations now, marketing is about creating that overarching proposition of brand, but also what the individual value proposition is for each audience along each stage of the journey and looking at how we engage and convert people or keep them retained or engaged throughout their life cycle. So I think that's where marketing will change and the chief marketing officer will look after comms and marketing, but also more of that experience piece because I think it's a necessity, again, with all the channels and, and, and the way things are set up now. But, you know, there was always a long period of time that the CFO would go straight into becoming the CEO or you mm. needed to have an accounting or an economics degree to be a CEO. I think more importantly, being able to understand the customer and he, being able to understand the value proposition of the organisation sets a, a far better platform for understanding the strategy of a business. And I think you'll see more CMOs starting to rise to that challenge, particularly in some of these newly established brands which have new ways of delivering things so your airbnbs your ubers this is all based on consumerism and convenience which the marketer or or the traditional marketer if you like has been the champion of for many years it it seems like the logical next step but i could just be saying that because i'm a cmo and in marketing i think that sounds pretty positive a really healthy way of looking at it and uh, I've got uh, I've got Dave's crystal ball here. I want to take a look into the future, if you will. Monash University in five years' time. Monash in five years' time, I think, will be known as the global modern university. And it will be looked at not just as a university, but as a modern brand in somewhere that is providing original content and thought leadership not only on academic areas, but also in terms of what's happening in the world and the narrative more broadly in education and research. Uh, Fabian, in five years' time? I often say to people that um, this is the first time I've been in a role that I'm not looking beyond this role at the moment. There is so much value um, that Monash can bring, and, and I'm really focused on how we bring that out to greater audiences at the moment. So hopefully I'll still be telling the brilliant stories of, of Monash in five years' time. Very nice. And the profession of marketing in five years' time? I think that marketing will have two tranches to it. One of that will be that really technical piece with the data and technology, um, and that will become increasingly more where the fight for talent 
is. And then I think you'll see strategic marketers as the second line, which will be all about that branding, positioning, differentiation, PR, and then there'll be that connection between both of them in the operational marketing. So far more highly technical, far more... I think brands will get far more risky in how they tell their story and they'll be doing it through a lot of different channels and it will integrate more and more with our lives. We'll see advertising on our fridges and through other things as we uh, humans engage with technology in different ways. All right then, Fabian Moroni, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. It's been great. Excellent. Thanks again to Fabian Moroni for giving up his time to appear on MarCast. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe to and rate our podcast and tell your friends. Keep up to date in the meantime at marketingmag.com.au and get in touch with me if you need to at ben.ice at niche.com.au. Thanks for listening. Marcast is made possible by Hayes Marketing and Digital the recruiting experts in marketing and digital roles across Australia for a wide range of industries and job functions. For the latest insights on what it takes to be a marketing director, download the Hayes Report, DNA of a Marketing Director, at hayes.com.au.